pays respect to the people of the Woi Wurrung and Bun Wurrung language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nations on whose unceded lands the SIN office and studios stand. SIN Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. SIN Media also acknowledges the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches and on which SIN partner organisations stand. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I hope it's not the first time you've heard my voice in a very long time. As you know, I love the Santa Moan voice. And today we're going to be talking about a place that's very important in the minds of disabled people, particularly my type of disabilities, trains. Welcome back to Razor Platform's train special. We love to do these episodes. We just talk about trains for about... And now we have some train theme songs in there somewhere because that's what we like to do. But we just love trains on this show. It's really, really, really good. We can talk all about trains and no one can tell us not to talk about trains. But trains aren't always awesome. Well, they're not, sadly. Trains sometimes can be very bad. But we like talking about trains. We have about 15 episodes um, of train-related content, specifically for your ears. If you have ears that like trains, please, please enjoy this show. Now, if you're wondering why my shows always sound a bit patchy, there's a reason for that. I hate the sound of my own voice, so I never listen to the back. I've actually never heard myself on the radio before. But enjoy this episode because it's chock full of how much, how awesome trains are, different sorts of trains and how amazing they are and how much I hate my kids, including a few absolutely hilarious stories and my wonderful antics of Mikey Inspector Alert Space, which is a great... There have been many answers to the age-old question, why do autistic people love trains? And they really... Our internet tells me, I wish I googled, why do autistic people like trains? It's one of the first things that comes up when you Google why do autistic people, and I don't exactly know why... I'm not saying that I don't like this is the first thing that comes up because it's actually quite a, a nice thing. But um, Autumn Speaks has the first article and we do not like them on this show, so we're not going to use their answers. So we're instead going to pass on to a few pro-autism um, groups instead and answer the gate question of why we love trains so much. But... Um, the reason that people thing says they actually they actually don't know why this particularly happens, but the answers tend to be in terms of it is a very you know it's a very organised interest. It's a lot of stuff to do with rules and regulation, a lot to do with um sort of organisation of timetables and things like that. And it's also just sort of got anything that sort of other people interests are sort of quite some like cars are pretty common. So is boats and fire trucks and all that sort of stuff. And so I don't really seem to understand why trains get singled out. And people don't actually know. Another thing is also Thomas the Tank Engine is another common one. And I know a lot of people who do fit into this description of we love Thomas the Tank Engine and their fandom tend to be full of... um this particular show, and in 2002 and 2007, there were two studies into Thomas the Tank Engine and autism, and Thomas Tank Engine, a large percentage of their fandom is actually autism-related, and 
you know, and there are several um, reasons that actually came forward in these studies, and these are that the characters are, you know, distinguished by colour, and the and the and the narrator, which is actually Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr actually narrated Thomas the Tank Engine, and also the show is not particularly attractive because it uses very stop motion. that's actually very still. It's not as sensory overwhelming as say other shows that were available. So I hated Sesame Street. <laughs> I don't like Sesame Street at all. And also the way they describe emotions in that show is just very wooden. It's like just, he was happy. Percy was happy. Percy was confused. Thomas was, it re- actually reads more like a book, like a person reading out a book than just a narration. Which is actually quite easy to understand, and that's one of the reasons that they think is why. But, you know, a lot of it, I think, is to do with the fact that trains are common, they're often spoken about, and they're very niche. Like, whereas things like trucks and cars are very related because they both drive on the road, trains only drive on tracks. They only, and tracks really only have trains running on them. So it's quite organised. So if trains and... Trains and himself are such a major part of autistic life and autistic culture, then why are they so heavily stigmatised in a way? And I think it's very important for us to talk about this because it really does mean a lot to autistic people to actually be involved in train, tram and public transport culture. And that means that public transport has to be accessible and it has to be easily used by disabled people. And because in many cases, disability is a barrier to driving. And it is, in a way, understandable, this. It is very hard to drive if you are, in a way, even if you're not disabled, it can be very hard. And with more people nowadays choosing not to drive for so many different reasons, including environmental reasons, convenience reasons, trust me, parking is a joke, and this, we need public transport that is accessible and affordable. And in some cases, it actually is cheaper to drive because the fees for public transport in Australia, in Melbourne particularly, for non-concessional, for non-concessional customers is actually, in many cases, more expensive than, than petrol. And, and a petrol journey the same distance is, is actually more expensive. And, but when it comes down to a concessional, if you ever get a concession, it can be cheaper. Anna? And, I think it is very important for public transport to be accessible for disabled people. And I do think society should move away from cars because they are actually less convenient. There's actually no reason why you, um, public transport is the environmentally friendly answer to our problems. And if we can make it a public transport that is renewable and is net zero, I think it is the way forward. And... I think that is so. Public transport in Melbourne, we have a lot of complaints about it. It is not accessible. It is really, actually, quite annoying. And one of the most important things that is wrong with public transport is a lot of the stations themselves are not wheelchair accessible. Even the ones that are new built that were built during the um, where we got rid of all level crossings, they're still pretty stupidly. They're still pretty poorly designed for wheelchair access. And but they were some of them are actually quite good. But a lot of them are pretty are pretty bad. Flinders Street Station is pretty notorious for being a bit dodgy, and one of the reasons why it is a bit dodgy is because there is a that you, you take a lift down to your platform, and that is in many cases a bit 
bit difficult to take a lift down. And in many cases at Flinders Street, you take a lift down to your platform. This is, and that is, of course, inaccessible. There are ramps and there are accessible ways down to the platforms, but they often require a lot of extra walking, a lot of, um, they often require a lot of extra time. They're in quite inconvenient spots and you have to go under and over a few things. They are quite difficult to get to. And unfortunately, they haven't designed for the street station. It is over a hundred years old. So it's understandable that it wasn't really designed with, with accessibility in mind. But I really think that we should create something or create a way to make Flinders Street Station far more accessible and put a few additional accessibility options on Flinders Street. And they actually have, because there are the underground platforms which you can walk to in Flinders Street, the underground p- platform passageway, which is how you would get there if you were to use a wheelchair. But they, you know, they are quite difficult to get to. Richmond Station is marginally better. Richmond is actually pretty good because there are a lot of ramps um, and the ramps are not too steep. Hawfield Station, the ramp is incredibly steep and that is actually very dangerous for wheelchair users because well, not only will you be, often if you're rushing train, you'll be pushing at very, very intense speeds, which actually can damage your lungs, but they also can cause... People would often fall down. People can roll down too fast and then injure themselves. Um, it's actually quite a dangerous. And we're trying to work to fix Richmond Station. And a lot of the other stations that are new built often have very long and very steep ramps down because they're underground. They are quite steep to get to. So the ones that are overground, the ones that are sky rail, similar problem. But those stations all have lifts now. And the lifts are actually very good. And... That is, in my opinion, the way forward. Just put a lift in so people can get to the platforms and then make each of the platforms make easier to get to. Just put a lift where every single platform is on Flinders Street Station that is accessible through just a normal entryway. It, it's fine. It's, it would be much better. They actually used to have that underground thing where you would enter from the other side of Swan Street. It had, um, it had um, quite a good – it had Sticky Institute in there as well. And it also had, um, I think it was called Wax Museum Records, and that was quite a good... Now that doesn't exist anymore, they got rid of it. It had a really weird art gallery as well. It has a lot of rather bizarre art. And that's, I think they're renovating that, but that was another accessible entry to Flinders Street Station that was much more accessible. Because in the Flinders Street Dome, you have to go through, up some stairs, which is a bit... I thought that was a bit unnecessary. I don't know why they can't just replace that with a ramp. I suppose it is historical in some manner, but I just think that's a bit much. And that's also where the customer service desk and the concierge is, which is a bit annoying. Other stations like Southern Cross, very accessible. There is one station in Melbourne that has absolutely no wheelchair access at all. It's called Hayington Station. And there is literally, there is, you cannot use this station if you have a wheelchair. Why does that even exist in 2022 with all these replacements? Why can't they just fix it? But in the situation in Sydney is actually far worse and they have actually done studies. Less than a third of their stations are fully accessible. Less than a third. That is just, 
absurd. And this was only, this was a recent calculation too, where they calculated that less than a third of the stations in Sydney could actually be accessed by wheelchair users and other mobility aid users. That is just bizarre. I suppose we've only got one. That's not good. We should have zero. We should have negative zero. But, like, why? Is this not something that people think about? And they're saying that people are having to travel a long way away to access a station. That's just absurd. Now, tram stations and bus stations are another completely different world for accessibility. Tram stations tend to be, because they are so thin, tend to be very hard to access, which is absolutely just not okay. That's not okay. In 2022, we want our tram and our bus stations fully accessible because some of them are so thin. Well, bus stations tend to be just a, a bench next to some trees next to someone's house, so it's not really what you would expect. But you often have to walk on nature strip, which is often someone else's nature strip, which is a bit weird. And most of those state bus stations being just nature strip are a bit iffy in terms of accessibility. Some of the nature is very steep, some of it's just very overgrown. And it's like it's just it just needs to be that they need to be just paved. Pave them and save the people Law mowing to save the lawnmower, make it look a bit more official because a lot of buses tend to be pretty scared because you have to actually we've got to ding them, you've got to make sure the bus driver knows they don't actually tell you the next stop is here. I remember the first time I took a rather obscure bus or rather obscure stop, and it was what am I looking at? Okay, and so okay. Trains, I find that the current situation of Melbourne trains is getting a bit, for lack of a better term, disorganised. Um, I've often found that a lot of trains, they are often running very late, running sometimes early. I've had early trains. They leave before. That happened to my boyfriend once. Do you use it? The train left early. And I was like, how is that possible? I was like, metro, metro trains. Why? Another thing that I've noticed a lot is because they're doing a lot of works, particularly on the Lilydale Belgrave Blackburn line, the trains will, you go onto the train, it'll say something different inside the train to the announcement to what is written on the board. And that is an accessibility nightmare because three, because, um, people who are deaf rely on the board and what is written inside the train. People who are blind rely on the announcements. The only way I found to really know where we're going on the trains is look what the station is next. And that would be on the Frankston line ones, happened to be on the Blackburn, Lilydale, that line once. And it was an incredibly stressful experience. And I was just like, why? Why in the entire world was that happening? Because it is just an accessibility nightmare. And it actually can cause a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress in people because they need to use that. They rely on both, in many cases, one or the other, the visual cues or the audio cues, 
or they rely on both. I and mean, somebody with a sensory disability and an anxiety problem, that was incredibly stressful. And I don't know why Metro or whoever's in charge of this or PTV can't just make sure the announcements, what is written in the train and what is written on the board at the station actually aligns so people know because for a while it was Camberwell trains bus from Campbell to Box Hill. And it should say Campbell stopping all stations or Campbell Express. And that was what would have should have been announced and what was written on both on the inside the train board and the station board. It's just absurd these days that that cannot be aligned because it is such an important part of travel. And if we want to make the public transport in Victoria accessible, they need to make sure everything is organised. And mo and I've been to trains in Europe where everything was like it left on the dot and everything you looked at aligned perfectly. And it made transport so much calmer and so much more easier to use. And it was just absolutely a dream of public transport. And I just don't know what what we cannot do here. And I just don't know why that can be so much more streamlined and just so much easier to use. This problem has been pretty recent. I've always, for a while, found that the trains in, Vic- in Melbourne were very... It's, it, what was written on the board and what you and what you jumped on almost always aligned. It's been a rather recent problem as well. It's not something that's been going on for a particularly long time. And it really only became an issue when the level crossing removals and works became more common. Another issue that I have is also during the level crossing removal is the lack of communication as to when the um when you know things were going to be taking place and well there are of course a website on PTV you can look up which stations have works and they have a very very frequently updated guide as to when as to all the disruptions that go on on the PTV website and it's actually really good and actually does tell you everything that is disrupting your train how many more minutes to add to your travel journey and it's excellent. But that was really only available on the website. There is no – the ones that are available at, f- on, at the stations, they should just say delays and that was it. There, there isn't like – it wasn't advertised. It isn't really that well known as to as to where all the disruptions are. Another thing also is not heavily advertised is where the buses are and which stations have a replacement bus. And that is another issue that I have because the replacement buses will use quite frequently and they often have a different stop as to where they get off. They don't stop in a lot of the stations. They don't stop in front of the stations. It's a particularly big problem in a lot of local stations, like where you go further down the line. It's not – the stop for the replacement bus is not where the station is. And if you live – close to the station, but you don't live close to where the bus stop is, that can be a very big problem for you, and it can be very annoying. In some cases, it was actually closer. It actually was closer to your house than the actual station. That was actually pretty convenient for my, when they were doing the Frankston line. The stop was right near our house. It was really good. 
another another issue with the um, replacement buses is a lot of them, a lot of the attendants who worked for the replacement buses were not that well trained with um, accessibility requirements and with communication difficulties. And we had, I had a lot of issues personally with them not telling me or not being able to understand what my questions were and not being able to tell me where where the buses were and but they they'll good with like which bus do you want and they'll, they told me which bus I wanted and everything but they were not good with communication and I think that that is a very big issue because with communication difficulties being more common these days and with more people with communication difficulties using public transport that was just a nightmare really it was it was actually quite difficult actually. now to talk about my mortal enemies my mortal enemies Mikey inspectors. Okay, they're officially known as AOs, authorised officers, but basically they are a bunch of foul cops working for a private company who are given judicial power over us. And I don't care what anyone says. These guys unfairly target people who they know are not as likely to have fair paid. Okay, say what you will about fair evasion as being the moral choice or not being moral, but I really don't understand why they need to use the amount of power they do and target, for the most part, people who are marginalised. That's what they do. I don't I understand why they will not go up to what appears to be a banker or someone like that. They will go up to uni students or people they think have not paid. And they are allowed to use discretion. They can just say, no, we're not going to find you. You're okay. You are clearly unable, but you're okay. But no, they tend to find everyone. And I think that they are a bunch of failed cops on a power trip. And they just, they're scary. I'm genuinely terrified of them. And they make me scared to use public transport, even though for reasons related to my disability, I avoid driving. And... I really don't understand why they need to be the way they are. And I think that there should be more protections for people who are disabled and who are unable to pay their fare, to pay the fare. Okay, we're going to one thing clear. The healthcare card, that little sort of olive-coloured card that you get from the government that has your name and address on it, and it's like an olive-coloured paper thing, and it expires, has an expiry date on it. And they basically gives you a healthcare card. And the healthcare card actually gives you a concession. If you do not, you do not, if you are disabled and you have a healthcare card, you do not need, you do not need, um, a, a concession from a university for, um, for, for university students. And you do not need, any other sort of concessions that is your healthcare card or low income card, that's another thing that exists, is a concession card. So if a Mikey inspector asks you for a concession and your uni card has run out, you don't even need a uni card in the first place. Just show them that and they can't argue with it. Okay, there is one problem. The uni card that you get for um, concession for uni students is only for full-time students. It doesn't count for students who are not full-time students, which is ridiculous. People with disabilities, including autism, ADHD, often do their studies part-time or single year under a semester because of disabilities. And 
if they don't get the healthcare cut and our sort of government concession, they have to pay more, even though they will be struggling with their uni work already. So that is, and a lot of people also use them often, who do part-time study, often low income and unfortunately cannot do their study full-time. So this is just, it's really horrible that they are making you pay for public transport full price if you are somebody who is struggling, which is what a lot of these services are for. For. And part-time study exists for students who, for whatever reason, cannot do full-time study. And trust me, anybody would do full-time study if they can because it is a more economical option and it does get your degree over faster and you start to work faster. So no one is doing part-time study because they want to. People do part-time study because they struggle to do full-time uni work. And I did full-time uni work for one year. I do not recommend it to anybody who has issues with with auditory processing, with organisation, with um, any sort of disability of that sort. So I definitely think that we need to extend the the concession eligibility to people who are autistic, who are doing part-time study for reasons relating to disability and reasons relating to mental health because it is very important for people to get these concessions and to, and to have that part of their life a bit less stressful. And I think that if you cannot drive for a medical reason or reason relating to disability, you should not have to pay for public transport.